What's going on, everyone, and welcome in to this edition of B-Shape Daily. Brendan Schaefer here with you. It's the morning hours of Friday, August 11th, 2023, in the Lake of the Ozarks. That's where I am, and it's why I didn't have the episode recorded last night. But I told you guys, during this week's vacation, I would be keeping you in tune with what's going on with the Cardinals. And so we had to hop on here today to talk about the masterful performance by Matthew Libertor last night, Thursday night. Cardinals and Rays, Libertor facing the team that drafted him. All the storylines abound. And the way he responded was as well as the St. Louis Cardinals could have possibly hoped. And it kind of makes you wonder. I know we've done this with a couple other starters recently. We did it with Dakota Hudson when he had that seven strikeout, seven inning performance a couple of weeks ago. Mentioned it was Zach Thompson when he had the spot start. Looked really good with eight strikeouts. Talking about guys who could potentially mix into the rotation for 2024. And I was a little skeptical. When we said it about Thompson, when we said it about Dakota Hudson, it's like, all right, we know what the limitations are there. But with Matthew Libertor, this guy did have that prospect pedigree. When the Cardinals traded Randy Rosarain to get him, it was because they believed he could be a mainstay in a starting rotation someday in the big leagues. And I know what we've seen from Libertor has been up and down. It's been choppy throughout his major league career. But we got to keep a few things in mind, I think. Guy's only 23 years old still. Just made his debut last year. Got his cup of coffee. Wasn't consistent. Wasn't what he wanted. 5.97 ERA. Came into the offseason with some intent. Wanting to take that leap forward in 2023. And for whatever reason, he hadn't quite found it prior to last night. Numbers at the big league level were actually worse than in 2022. Still kind of looking for that consistency in his game. And it was why when he had his last start and the miles per hour on the fastball averaged like 92.9, I had mentioned, you know, I didn't really agree with Ollie Marmel saying, ah, the velocity wasn't a problem. Well, maybe the velocity wasn't a problem for Matthew Libertor, but it wasn't a solution either. And last night, with what he was doing with the fastball, velocity and the fastball, those were solutions for Libby. Averaging 95 miles per hour on the fastball, in the times that we have seen him bump up velocity like that, that's where he has been most successful because it almost seems like everything else falls into place behind that. When guys have to respect 95 instead of 92-93, suddenly you, you find the sharpness on the other pitches to be more effective. You find that guys are off balance because of your full arsenal. And last night, Matthew Libertor had the entire arsenal going for eight shutout innings against the Tampa Bay Rays, which is the number four offense in baseball this year, according to runs scored. Number two in the American League. So Matthew Libertor, I, I heard somebody say, and I, I wasn't listening to the opposing broadcast, but I had somebody tweeting at me that was saying, yeah, the, the Rays side is talking about how this is Cy Young caliber stuff from Matthew Libertor. Like, holy smokes. Now, maybe they have reason to want to kind of pump his tires a little bit because he was in the organization. I'm not sure how well those broadcasters might know Libby because he was really just, what, a, a teenager, 20 years old when that trade happened. It was January 2020 when the deal went down, just right before COVID. And Libby was in the lower levels of the minor leagues still. Remember, he was in the high school class with Nolan Gorman, not from the same high school, but they played against each other and with each other as younger kids, and they were at rival high schools out there in Arizona. So when the Cardinals drafted Gorman as a, a high school kid, Libertor went 
first round in that same exact draft class. And the Cardinals said, got to catch them all. We're, we're collecting the set of the childhood friends. And so they trade a Rosarena. They get Matthew Libertor. We knew it would be a while before Libertor would be reaching the big leagues. Took him a couple more years. A Rosarena had the opportunity in 2020. He didn't really take off quite immediately the way we remember it. He was fine in 2020, but he didn't play a lot until later in that season. Remember, that was the COVID year. They only had 60-game schedules, but that was the year the Rays made the World Series, and he was doing stuff on a world stage at that point. That was kind of his breakout was that postseason, and then he won the Rookie of the Year the following season because he was still rookie eligible with all the weirdness that took place in 2020. He didn't play a ton. So Cardinals fans have been having to live with this since really the postseason of 2020 that we knew, uh-oh, maybe the Cardinals made a mistake. But see, at first, when all that was going on, and even when Arozarena was winning the Rookie of the Year in 2021, it wasn't like we knew yet what Libertor was all about. So it was hard to say the Cardinals lost the trade at that point because we hadn't seen what he could potentially deliver. And as I mentioned, we shouldn't have really expected to see it yet because of his age, because of the fact that he was drafted out of high school. It was just inevitable that it would take some time. But when 2022 rolls around and you see the 6 ERA and then this year happens and he really doesn't take that step forward, you start, I wouldn't even say Cardinals fans were concerned. I think Cardinals fans just have basically accepted it that the Cardinals lost a trade. But I would say that with that being the backdrop to this entire saga, for Matthew Libertor to have the chance to go into Tampa last night and pitch that game, that was maybe the best thing that could have happened for his season and for his career. To say, all right, I am no dummy. I am not immune to all of this. I can say all the right things about how I don't have to compare my career to a Rosarena's and I don't have to put myself to whatever standard that he sets. But in reality you know that when you're traded for a guy that pops off and becomes a a superstar caliber name, which I don't think is unfair to say of Randy. Like, he's he's got a lot of flair to his game, and he's backed it up with his performance. So I, I don't even feel uncomfortable calling him a superstar. He's not on the level of, like, a, a Soto or a Tatis or a, you know, Otani, obviously. But he's, I mean, he's he's one of the, the, the top players in the game, position player-wise. And his versatility as a good defensive outfielder, as a guy with good speed, he's got power, he hit, can hit for average, he can get on base, he can do a little bit of everything. But for the knowledge that Matthew Libertor would have to have about what Randy Rosarena has become and to know that, oh yeah, the whole world is like saying, I'm not that guy. Cardinals lost the trade. They shouldn't have traded away the guy they got. They shouldn't have gotten me. Even if that doesn't affect you on a personal level, which I'm not, inclined to say whether it does or doesn't for Libertor. He'd have to answer that question. And honestly, even if it did, he probably wouldn't tell you, oh, yeah, it affects me and it I, keeps me up at night. I don't think it does with Libertor. He's addressed it before and said that's just not really the way he sees it. He's got to have his career and anybody else can have theirs. But in reality, to know that you're going into a place where they got the guy, they got a Rosarena for you, and they're pretty happy with that trade. They don't feel any regrets about that. Don't you want to, at that point, kind of make them regret it a little bit? Give them that reminder of like, hey, I'm pretty good too. That's, I think, just human nature. And Libertor, I think, unlocked it last night with eight innings, allowing just two hits, seven strikeouts, 101 pitches to get through eight. 
And that eighth inning was one of his best innings. Just a really quick inning, 10 pitches or so. Maybe it was even less than that. At the end of which, I was like, oh, Ollie, let him go out for the ninth. Let him start the ninth. First base runner, okay, you're out of the game, kid. But to think he could have a complete game shutout in Tampa, that would have been so cool. They come back from commercial, and Bally Sports Midwest was very quick to show on the broadcast all the hugs and handshakes that Libby was getting in the dugout, so nobody would nobody would continue that thought process longer than the commercial break because that's when I tweeted out, oh, come on, let him start the ninth. Makes sense that they didn't. Over 100 pitches. There were people saying, hey, after six innings, get him out of the game because you want him to have you know positive feeling. I love that they didn't. No, he's a starting pitcher. And he's the type of pitcher that if he's going to have success, it's got to be because he turns himself into that consistent bulldog. That guy who he's going to get to the 100-pitch count. He can get through seven or eight innings when he's really sharp like he was last night. Love Ollie Marmel giving him eight innings in that game. Because, again, pitch count dictated it. His performance dictated it. And was it a little bit of a risk that you have what happened to Dakota Hudson a couple weeks ago when he's pitching really well and then gives up the three runs or whatever in the seventh inning after looking so sharp with the no hit through five and third. Yeah. I mean, that could happen, but you can't, I mean, the Cardinals are past the point of being able to manage for the, what if, you know, you just got to go out and manage your guys, try to win, try to instill that kind of uh, foundation, I would say for next year. And Libertor is one of those guys that's in the mix, right? We don't know exactly what the Cardinals are going to do this off season when it comes to fixing that rotation adding from the outside. We know they have to. We know they've got to make moves. But is that going to be one free agent and one trade? Is it going to be two free agents? Is it going to be three free agents? Is it going to be, you know, what's the scale going to be? Moselak has said, you know, obviously we're going to have to address it in free agency, but that can mean a lot of things. Remember last year he said the payroll was going to go up and was insistent at winter warm-up that it had, which was technically correct, I believe, but it was not really correct in the spirit of the phrase when you look and the Cardinals have actually dipped down to 16th in payroll in MLB, I think is the number. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next? last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. So, when they say, hey, we're going to add pitching and free agency, don't worry, it's all kosher. That's We don't really know until we get to February and spring training the degree to which they actually follow through on that promise, right? So, it's not unreasonable to think that Matthew Libertor, among others, could be in contention for the way the Cardinals plan to fill that number five spot in the rotation. And I have said that unless one of these internal options gives you a run toward the end of the season over the last couple of months, that gives you confidence that, hey, that guy is the leader in the clubhouse. When we get to spring training, we're going to mentally have him penciled in as a number five starter. And unless he blows it as a result of poor performance down at the Grapefruit League, that's his spot. He's going to be our number five. Because I don't think you can go in with saying, look at all this depth that we have. We've got an open competition between these five or six guys for our final rotation spot in 2024. No, no, no. I don't believe that works. I think it's too important of a thing that you've got to get it right, that unless somebody gives you a reason to be confident in them, 
you cannot go into it just with an open competition of guys who were clearly not good enough to do it this year, right? Because that's what it would be unless one of those guys takes a step forward. Was last night the first step in Libertor doing exactly that? Matt Libertor taking the reins, saying, I was a first-round pick. I was that guy, and the reason that you traded away Randy Rosarena, despite his talent. And I'm going to show through on that and be ready to join this rotation on a full-time basis in 2024 with effectiveness in my game, with the kind of effectiveness he showed last night. And that's the thing of it. He has showed it. We have seen it. Can he do it consistently is going to be the question. Let me know what you think in the comments below right here on YouTube, youtube.com slash at bshafer12. Click that subscribe button if you enjoy daily St. Louis Cardinals content. Click like on this video, and yeah, throw your comment down. Do you think what we saw last night from Libertor is something that he can sustain? Because if the answer to that is yes, it like yeah, it does make John Mosellock's job a lot easier this winter, but I don't think Cardinals fans are going to be too upset about that because if we're realistic about it, we can look at John Mosellock's job, the task before him to gain basically three quality pitchers in a rotation and hope that it's enough and trust Bill DeWitt to spend to the level that it will be required to do that and trust Mosellock to pull off a trade without giving up the wrong guy in order to do that, that's a scary proposition. So if you've got one of those spots locked down, I'm not saying make Libertor your two if he looks decent down the stretch. No, he you should slot him in mentally as your five, but what that should do, if he's capable of it, is set it up to where I'll count it in reverse. Libertor five, Steven Matz four, Miles Michael is three. That's the way the Cardinals should view it if they are so fortunate to find a guy like Libertor ready to assume that role. Then you've got to fill your one and your two. It shouldn't let the Cardinals off the hook to say, well, Libertor is going to be solid, so we really only just need like a back end of the rotation guy and maybe a, a number two, and Michaelis can be our one. No, 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 no. If you approach it with that mindset, you're going to have the same results that you had this year. Assume that you don't have anything in-house because in 2023, that's kind of the way it felt for the majority of the season. I know that Michaelis and Matts have both come around and that maybe you're getting some more out of Libertor. And, like, I don't want to rip Dakota Hudson. He went five innings and gave up three the other night. We talked about that on the last podcast. That wasn't, like, something to celebrate. Gave up a couple of home runs. That was a very Dakota Hudson-like start. If you track out the ERA, that's like an ERA of five or so to go five innings and give up three runs. It's nothing to celebrate. But, like, they're at least getting semi-competent performances. But semi-competent is not the bar that you should be looking for. The Cardinals have got to prioritize rotation this offseason, regardless of what we see the rest of the way from Libertor. But let me know in the comments if you think what we do see from Libertor is something that could be prescriptive for next season. Because if that ends up being the case, the Cardinals are they're going to feel a lot better about the way they approach this offseason. Hopefully it doesn't mean they can skimp out on making the real plays that need to be made for the rotation. But to have a guy like Libertor with his upside, because it is there, that would be critical. Let's listen, though, courtesy of Bally Sports Midwest, to Andrew Kisner last night who caught Libertor. Kiz also had a home run in his own right. He's got his OPS plus up to 103 for the season. I'll talk a little bit about Andrew Kisner, too, before we get out of here, uh, because I think he is critical to this Cardinals team, as I tweeted last night at for 12 on Twitter. But let's listen to Andrew Kisner talking about the masterful performance 
by Matthew Libertor. This is courtesy of Valley Sports Midwest. Untouchable tonight. I mean, that was about as good as you can pitch, but that's how he can pitch every night. And, um, you know, we talked before the game, and I told him, I said, dude, your stuff is elite. Just challenge these hitters. Do whatever you can. Challenge these guys. Get strike one. Go right after them. Trust your stuff. And he did that tonight. I mean, he was... He was unhittable and, and mixing pitches. Can't say enough. That was outstanding. Yeah, it seemed like all his pitches he had command of, and you guys were able to mix it up and make sure they didn't know what was coming. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we pitched the report, um, but then we got off the report a little bit because he was feeling some different pitches and different counts. And, um, you know, that was just, like I said, I mean, he had everything working, fastball, curveball, slider, changeup, sinker, moving in and out, up, down. I mean, he had those guys totally off balance all night. The uh, velocity was up a little bit, and I know that's something that he's working with the performance group about trying to boost it a little bit. Did you see that? Yeah, no, that fastball had a little extra zip tonight. I don't know, you know, maybe a little extra motivation, you know, playing against a, his former organization, but um, but when he's throwing the ball hard like that, it makes everything else play up even more. So um, hopefully going forward the rest of the season, he can keep that velo up and, and keep mixing his pitches like he did tonight. So there was Cardinals catcher Andrew Kisner with the audio courtesy of Valley Sports Midwest, talking about the outing by Libertor. He said he had a little zip on the fastball last night, a little extra zip, and that played out. Ollie Marmel mentioned, I saw in the post game that whereas last time he was 93 miles per hour, this time average fastball velocity was 95, is what they, they had internally with that. So that seemed to track. I mean, if you were watching the game, it seemed like he was throwing harder, was touching 96 and beyond at times. That's a big difference maker for Matthew Libertor. But it was so interesting to hear that, you know, it's not to say that Andrew Kisner's little pregame pep talk is what created this kind of bulldog mentality in Libby. But how about that from Andrew Kisner who said, look, dude, your stuff is elite. Go after these guys. Let's do this thing. And he did. He attacked hitters. He was in the strike zone. And that's what allowed him to be so efficient and get through eight innings in this outing. 70 strikes on 101 pitches. Really, really quality stuff from Matt Libertor. And you hear the part where Andrew Kisner says he pitched really great, but he can do this every night. Like, this is what he's capable of. That is, it's great to have a, a catcher that has that confidence in you. And hear this, everything I'm about to say about Andrew Kisner is not a knock on Wilson Contreras because I'm not really comparing the two, but I just want to take an opportunity to praise Andrew Kisner for the role that he has had for this Cardinals team in 2023. Because it would have been very easy for Kisner to look at the trajectory of his career going back to last year when he just couldn't hit a lick and was struggling because of it. Goes into the offseason where the Cardinals immediately say, yeah, our biggest concern is the catcher position. We need to add a starting catcher this offseason. And it's like, well, man, you do have Andrew Kisner on the roster. I know Yachty's gone, but... It can't be like a competition between the, the the younger guy who's, I get it, he's not young anymore relative to like prospect age. I think his is like 20, 27, 28. I guess I could Google that, find out for you. 28 years old, right on the money. Merle Haggard birthday game. It's a very niche reference. Let me know if you understand the reference to the Merle Haggard memorial birthday game uh, because that would be a throwback. Anyhow, Andrew Kisner's 28 years old. Maybe the Cardinals have decided, yeah, his development is what it is. He's not ever going to be that guy. So they say, we have to go get a catcher. And they, they settle on Wilson Contreras, which is a conversation of its own. 
And, you know, we can have that. We have had that conversation. But when it pertains to Kisner, he has risen the level of his play to a really impressive standard this year. I mentioned the OPS plus of 103, which basically, if you look on baseball reference, anything below 100 means you're below league average for your position as a as a position player offensively. But he's at 103, so he's actually slightly above league average in terms of his offensive production this year. And the, the home run surge has definitely been a big part of that. He has demonstrated the power in his game that we just really hadn't seen from him in his career. Last year, four home runs in 293 plate appearances. Prior to 2022, he had three career home runs and another 250 or so plate appearances. So you're talking, man, this is something I got to tweet out. I'm sure somebody's already done it. Seven home runs for Kisner in his major league career before this year, which spanned over 550 plate appearances, according to my quick math. In this year, he's gotten nine homers in 150 plate appearances. That is impressive. So he's demonstrating that power. He's got a 483 slug. I know he's had a home run here and there against a position player pitching and you know taking advantage of some blowout situations, but I don't think you can chalk the entire stat line up to just that. 255 average and a 483 slug for a 758 OPS. Um, he, he should draw more walks. He'd actually been a little better at drawing walks in past years, but only four walks this year. I guess he's just letting it eat, right? He's raking, so it's working, but his on-base is actually down from last year to 275. It had been 301. Has never been a huge on-base guy. But how about the offensive explosion for Andrew Kisner, which is definitely a part of it, because when the Cardinals went searching for a catcher last offseason, they landed on Wilson Contreras, which tells you, yes, they really recognize the need to improve offensively at the catcher spot because Kiz had struggled as the backup. Yachty was, you know, he was not strong last year offensively, and that was a hole in the lineup, and they really felt like they needed to address that with somebody who could rake, and I think they got enamored by that whole concept. And honestly, probably a little bit too much enamored by it, where they just saw Wilson Contreras out there and thought, this is the easy, simple solution. Let's take the the path of least resistance here. He's a veteran catcher, so he can fill the role of Yachty, and he's a, a very robust hitter, so he can actually upgrade our team in that way. I think they underestimated the degree to which just stepping in for Yachty, even as a veteran catcher of the league, could be done and they had expectations for that position that I don't think were ab- adequately described to Wilson Contreras. Because otherwise, how do you explain the weirdness that has ensued? Nevertheless, I'm the, I'm not trying to get on the soapbox about the Contreras thing, because I also think that we've talked so much about it that it's almost unfair to Contreras at this point, because he's basically the guy that he's always been. And it's just misplaced expectations by the new city that he came to to think that he should have been anything else. So at times you think back on talking about Contreras as much as we have, and it's like, man, all right, give the guy a break. So I'm not even trying to, like I said, I'm not trying to do that at all today. I really want to just highlight Kisner and just say, from his perspective, I think the Cardinals gave him a bit of a raw deal by being so hell-bent on, we're going to sign a catcher or trade for a catcher that's going to be our everyday guy. And it's like, well, you do have Andrew Kisner, right? Well, yeah, but we, you know, we need to, we need to fill the catcher position. Okay, that said all we need to know about the way you view the guy. And then it said even more going into spring training, or at spring training, rather, 
the conversations about Trace Pereira. Oh, my gosh. Again, not to diminish that guy's career. But the fact that they were hinting, well, we don't know. It's a battle for the backup catcher spot. Give me a break. Andrew Kisner has gone so underappreciated, not by just the Cardinals fan base, but the Cardinals organization, to have those conversations. And it was it was just kind of like some inklings. It may have been to kind of light a fire under Kiz that was never anything that had real legs to it, that Kisner was going to be sent to AAA or DFA to, to make sure Trace Pereira could be on the roster. And the way they used Pereira when he was here was they didn't. He was a cheerleader on the bench. And so it wasn't like, like that just was never plausible. So it frustrated me at the time because Kisner was already fighting the uphill PR battle because Cardinals fans, for whatever reason, hated him. I know the reason. He didn't hit well last year, and, and it's a very easy thing to look at a guy's batting line and go, oh, this guy stinks. I'm telling you, Andrew Kisner is more important to this Cardinals team than you realize. And I think people are starting to come around to that fact. Like when you do have to replace Yadier Molina and you've got the conduit, you've got the guy that was around and, and taught by Yadi, however, whatever their relationship was, isn't important. Andrew Kisner is a sponge. He can soak up what Yadier Molina does and the way he went about his business and use that to his benefit. And then when you have this season going off the rails the way that it did early, who did the pitchers want to throw to? They wanted to throw to Andrew Kisner. Now, again, do we agree with Wilson being thrown under the bus the way that it felt like he was by the team and whether that was the pitchers, Jack Flaherty, right? We talked a lot about this. No, we don't agree with all that. But what we can say is that Kisner was kind of the glue holding things together and still can be that. There is no chance in the world that Andrew Kisner wouldn't be on my version of the 2024 Cardinals. That's just, I, I want to get out in front of that. I get Yvonne Herrera. I get the skill set. I get the upside. He's got promise. You figure out a way because I don't think you're a better team by moving on from Andrew Kisner. People are going to disagree with this. I'm going to get people in the comments that say, what, dude, why are you stumping for Andrew Kisner of all people? First of all, go look at the numbers. Go look at what he's done this year offensively. He's on a, like a 35 homer pace if you give him 600 plate appearances. I'm, I mean, that's the number. Andrew Kisner has taken a real step forward, and it's not that he's like such a young guy that you think you're going to get a whole lot more from him uh, in addition to this, but this is good enough. 750 OPS with some real pop and handle the, the pitching staff the way he does. I'm not saying you got to make him the starter and kick Contreras to the curb. They do have to figure out what they want to do with the three catchers they have because it would stand to reason that you can't just leave Herrera in AAA forever. And so is there a world in which... Contreras just sort of does become a, a DH and they try to play him in the corner outfield. I know it sounds crazy because it kind of is, but I could envision a world where maybe he fills in as a catcher. He also could play some corner outfield because let's say they trade Tyler O'Neill. They, they're not sold on his durability. They trade Dylan Carlson because they're not sold on him against right-handed pitching. Suddenly your outfield situation is not as crowded as it was. Now, to think that you would have like a Wilson Contreras and Jordan Walker in the same corner outfield would be nightmarish, but I'm not discounting any possibility because I don't think you can trade Contreras without eating a lot of the money. I don't know if the Cardinals are going to be willing to do that. And I also don't know if you should necessarily be desperate to unload Contreras at the cost of all the money it would cost you for no benefit in return because he is the hitter that he claimed to be right that his numbers showed him to be before 2023 he's been that guy one of the best OPSs in baseball since July 1st 
So there is value to that player. You might just have to rethink the way that looks. And that I'm lucky that I I don't work in the Cardinals front office because that is going to be a very difficult situation to navigate, and there may be no right answer to it. It may be just keeping him and having him be your catcher because, again, he's basically been what you thought he would be or what you should have thought he would be. So that's the way you should go about it. But the Andrew Kisner of it all, I am serious that I think that should be a factor. I don't think the Cardinals are better if they just go, oh, well, we've got Contreras signed and we've got Herrera that's going to maybe even be a better version of Kisner because he could be a better hitter. I wouldn't, that's just me, I wouldn't be so quick. Kisner would be on my roster next year. So let me know what you think about that aspect of things. Comment below on YouTube. Make sure you hit the subscribe button on this channel. Like I said, we're out at the Lake of the Ozarks this weekend, but we're still going to be doing Cardinals content because uh, that's what we do here on the channel. So if you want Cardinals content, even when the host is on vacation, this is the place to uh, subscribe and uh, get involved in the community here with your comments. Love seeing the comments section be robust and people kind of conversing about the, the Cardinals together. It's good stuff. So hit that subscribe button, hit like on this video, but let me know what you think about the Kisner stuff. I think it's interesting. I think it may not be the opinion that everybody shares, but I'm pretty convicted in the way I, I view Andrew Kisner and his importance, certainly to the St. Louis Cardinals. I tweeted, I, I referenced the tweet that I sent last night. I retweeted that video. Valley Sports Midwest tweeted out the uh, the audio there of Andrew Kisner talking, and I said, Andrew Kisner is vital to the St. Louis Cardinals. You cannot convince me otherwise let alone the strong numbers he's posting at the plate this season. Listen to the command he had when it came to handling the developing starter like Libertor last night. That impact is real. Because I mentioned all this stuff about Kisner's offense, but how instrumental was he to getting the most out of Libertor last night? I would say pretty instrumental. Hey, level with me. You know your stuff is elite. Can we go out there and just beat these guys? I think Kisner has got that charisma. He, they, they talk about it on Hot Take Central. Kiz is on there every week with Jim, K, uh, Jim the Cat Hayes and Charlie Marlowe and Cam Jansen, and they've they've called him the captain, right? They, they're calling him the captain of the Cardinals because the backstory to that is, well, Willie McGee said you're my captain, but they, he got the C on his T-shirt and the whole thing. You've probably seen it on Twitter by now, but like this is the kind of stuff that Willie McGee is talking about. When he says, you're my captain. Willie McGee recognizes the importance of Andrew Kisner to the Cardinals, to Cardinals fans, and does the rest of the organization. I guess time is going to tell on those things, but when you hear the way that Kisner describes his conversations with Libertor, I I can't help but think that that had an impact on him. Now you hear him mention, too, all right, does, does the extra fastball velo come a little bit from knowing that he's pitching against his former team, former organization, on the road? They think they won the trade. I'd like to show them otherwise. Yeah, maybe there was a little bit of it to that. But I don't know if that's what motivates Libertor. And even if it is, even if it was something that motivated him last night, if it can become a jumping off point where it's like, okay, I showed those guys, but now let me show the league and let me show my team that, hey, when you talk about needing a rotation for next year, you don't have to worry about the spot that I'm going to occupy. I think that could be a, a very real thing. And maybe last night was just the first step toward it. Let me know what you think about that. Cardinals beat the Rays last night. They claimed the series. It's been so hard to get a series win for the Cardinals recently, but to beat the Rays, I don't know if that says more about the Cardinals or if it says more about the Rays, 
They've fallen into second place in the AL East. Still a very robust division. Tampa's still going to be a playoff team. But I'm not entirely sure the Rays are going to be that kind of team anymore when they get to the playoffs. I thought for a while that they th- this could be their year, right? They looked unstoppable to begin the season. Kind of falling off a little bit now, and I think the way it would set up would be a wild card series against the Astros. I'm taking Houston in that best two out of three personally. But this is still one of the AL's best teams on the whole this season. And the Cardinals win 5-2 to two on Thursday night, taking the series down at the Trop. The first win the Cardinals had was Game 2 of the series, and that was their first win at Tropicana Field since 2014, which I thought, oh, God, don't say that on the broadcast, Chip Carey, because next thing you know, Johnny Angelos of the Baltimore Orioles ownership is going to say, I don't like you talking about that. You can't talk about when you used to be bad against the Rays in Tampa. Of course, I don't know if Bill DeWitt cares like John Angelos. I I should hope not. But anyway, that was kind of a funny thing from last night. But 5-2 win for the Cardinals. What do you think about the series win? There's still 14 games below 500. They're still not in the mix in the division. Frustratingly enough for Cardinals fans, the Cubs kind of are back in the mix in the division. They have passed the Reds. Well, they're tied right now. Tied, but uh, by percentage points, Chicago in the lead of that. But they're two and a half back in Milwaukee. Man, I just hate that the Reds have fallen off so much. They were such a fun story. They're 2-8 and eight in their last 10. Still only 2.5 back, but I think they have completely lost their steam. Um, something to track, though, with the standings. The Cardinals are 2.5 back of, or I should say, it's only 1.5 back now of the Pirates. They cannot. Fin- the Cardinals cannot finish in last in this division. The way we talked all year about how bad this division was, which that probably wasn't as accurate, we can say now. The Brewers are 8 games above five hundred. The Cubs and Reds are both three games above 500. If you got more than half your division above 500, it's not as bad of a division as we thought. The AL Central is certainly worse. But for the Cardinals to be in last place of that division still, that's not a great look. Not a great look. So they, I know the draft pick and the, the draft lottery and all that stuff matters, but you don't want to finish in last for the first time in like a million years in the NL Central. Not in this season. But we'll see if the Cardinals are able to end up bridging that gap, see how far they can go. But, hey, it's a series win against Tampa. How how do you feel about the team as a result? Let me know in the YouTube comments section below. Make sure to subscribe to B-Shape Daily as well on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. But Matthew Libertor, he's the talk of the town after Thursday night. Your impressions of that start, throw them in the comments as we will continue to watch very closely the rest of the way what kind of pitcher Matthew Libertor could be and if that can be prescriptive for a potential legitimate mainstay role in the rotation for 2024. That's going to do it, though, for this edition of the show. Appreciate you guys for joining me, as always, and we will talk to you next time on Be Shafe Daily. Peace.